Merry Christmas. During our Christmas Eve services, we do something called the Benevolence Offering. And uh, the Benevolence Offering is taken in, uh, and it goes always outside of the walls of the church into the community. It helps people uh, that are struggling, uh, maybe with bills, uh, with groceries, and and that kind of thing. So it allows us to to love people very practically. Uh, Most of the time, our Christmas Eve services kind of top off that Benevolence Offering, and it lasts us through the course of the year. Um, Fortunately, we are at a place this year where we have double the amount of benevolence money in that account uh, than we usually do even at the beginning of the year. And so that's something to celebrate, and we're very excited about that. And it's also afforded us a different opportunity this Christmas Eve. If you were with us last Sunday, you would have heard the story of Rosa and her family. Uh, And as uh, Rosa and her husband, Meti, have been part of our SunWest community uh, for a little while now, we've gotten to know them and their story. Uh, And some people that are very closely connected with their story uh, that are in uh, some significant need. Uh, And we think there's an opportunity for our church to help uh, with this need. And so we have a little bit of a recap of of Rosa's story uh, that we're going to watch on the screen. And all of the money that is being uh, given today on December 24th is going to go towards uh, this this initiative. So take a look. the church is growing. In fact, it's the fastest growing church in the world per capita. And what it's marked by, Gordon, is Muslim coming to faith through dreams and visions. And one told me these dreams and visions, the number of them are sort of off the charts. My name is Rosa and I grew up in a Muslim family and I practiced Islam for many years until age 18 and 19 because I did not know anything better than being a Muslim and we were in fact very proud of being Muslim because we believed Islam is the last and the most complete religion in the world until the age of 18 or 19 that I've been introduced to Jesus more than being a prophet and I've been told he's Lord and God. Of course it was hard for me to believe because it was an absolute blasphemy because there were no God next to Allah. After months, it happens that God worked through um, my life and my family and I decided to follow Jesus. And in fact, being a, being a Muslim and converting to Christianity, there is a price it needs to be paid for that. So eventually, um, I had to flee the country and um, I went to Turkey to become a refugee. Having said that, I had the experience of being refugee in another country in England for three, four years uh, before I get deported back to Iran and then flee again to Turkey. And I spent around uh, five and a half, six years being refugee in Turkey, um, as well as serving different churches, house churches in Turkey, uh, teaching, preaching and equipping leaders for the kingdom of God. Iran has a history of martyring many Uh, church leaders and uh, there had been so many of them Uh, one at least I know one he was hanged in the prison in one of the cities in Iran and most of them they had been 
in prison and they're released, but somehow after a few days, their dead body was found in jungles or they were um, involved in an accident, car accident, which it's obviously um, related to how the government deals with conversion. The leaders I know, they, if they face these um, circumstances that they need to go back to Iran, it's gonna be, uh, horrible situation for them because they initially fled because they were underground church leaders and they were after them. So now if they would deport them back to Iran, they will definitely face a capital sentence. Since it's Christmas time and I had the same experience of being deported back to Iran around Christmas time and I've been detained for 18 days as well. So my wish list for this Christmas is that we can, as a church together, we can help some of these families so they can come to Canada and they can also experience a freedom and a safe life as we are experiencing now in Canada. Uh, we cannot change the world, but we can change the world for a couple of these families together. Christians are persecuted in Iran, but Pastor Nazanin says that where there is more persecution, the people are more courageous, and they continue to spread the message of Jesus Christ. So as I said, if you're able to join us last week, you heard the extensive uh, interview with Rosa. Uh, but we have a unique opportunity as a church to partner together to do something together that we uh, can't do apart. And uh, there's some Christian families in Turkey um, who are uh, in need of actually finding some refuge. And so we are prayerful, prayerfully hopeful that uh, the giving that we have this Christmas Eve can go towards uh, bringing uh, those families uh, to Canada, which won't be a short process, and we need to be praying, uh, and we need to be giving and leaning in, and so we invite you to be part of that. You can uh, give here on site, or you can give online at sunwestchurch.com slash giving, uh, and there's a drop-down menu there where you can give uh, to that, but all the money that we receive uh, on Christmas Eve will be going towards that cause. And these families... Uh, they are in trouble because they actually believe the Christmas story literally happened. They gave their lives to Jesus because they thought something historic happened 2,000 years ago that was worth giving their lives towards. And Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. I love Christmas, but Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year because of what happens. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year because what ha because what did happen 2000 years ago. There's a lot of things that we do in our culture and our time that make Christmas fun and make Christmas wonderful, uh, but the season of Christmas was founded on a real life historical event a couple of thousand years ago. We see these historical accounts in the books of uh, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking particularly at the Gospel of Luke uh, today, but you can see uh, different angles of that Christmas story in both of those Gospel stories. And Luke, he begins his Gospel by saying this, Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were the first eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been 
taught. And so Luke interviewed eyewitnesses. He investigated everything. He wrote this orderly account so that we may know with certainty the thing that happened 2,000 years ago that changed the world. You do not need to be named Theophilus for this to apply for you. Anybody named Theophilus here? No, not a common name. Uh, But this was written to Theophilus, but it was written down for us. The Bible was written to people, but it was written for us. And so as we gather here, I I recognize that this is an audience uh, that has gathered together. Uh, Some of you are connected to SunWest Church regularly. Some of you are here because you come, uh, you know, at Easter, you come at Christmas. Some of you are here, really, to be honest, because you wanted to make mom happy, right? Uh, You wanted to make your wife happy or your husband happy or your kids happy. Okay, fine. I'll keep the peace. I'll go to, I know you want me to go to the church service. I'll go to the church service. Then we get on with Christmas. I get it. I understand. I'm not offended by it. Uh, But we gathered together in this moment to think about this historical event that Luke took the time to write down because he said this actually literally happened and you need to know about it because it changes everything. Regardless of why you're here, this is the why that Luke wrote the story so that you would know that I would know that something happened And the word that Luke uses here when he says that we would know, it's not talking about intellectual knowledge. It's talking about a knowledge, an experiential knowledge that changes everything, that we would know and understand that something happened that changed everything. So as we just heard McKenna reading the story to the the kids, uh, she was reading out of Luke chapter 1, and a quick recap as as the, the story picks off and Luke picks up in Luke, this angel appears to Mary and, and the angel tells Mary that you're highly favored, which is ironic because Mary was a poor uh, peasant teenage girl. Uh, from the outside looking in, she wasn't favored at all. She wasn't blessed at all. Um, and the angel tells her, you are special. You're going to bear this child. Don't be afraid. Um, you found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to the son. And the son that you're going to give birth to, you're going to call him Jesus. And he's going to be the son of God. And he's going to change the world. And Mary said, how can this be? I'm not married. I'm a virgin. This is impossible. And this is how the angel responds to her. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit. This is how the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One would be born, will be called the son of God. For no word from God will ever fail. Can you read that last line with me? For no word from God will ever fail. I mean, this is big news. This would have been scary news. And how did Mary respond? Mary responds by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Long story short, Mary responded to the angel by saying, yes, The moment that she said yes, Mary's world turned upside down. Mary's world would never be the same. Mary would have been just like every other teenage girl, that she had hopes and dreams of what her life could be, what it might be, uh, that she might marry this carpenter and settle down in a country village and have a peaceful life. And then God interrupted her life. And he said, I have a plan for your life. I don't know what would happen if Mary would have said no. I guess we'll never know. But Mary said yes. God had a plan, but God somehow brought his plan into completion through the yes of this young teenage girl. And her yes to God didn't mean that life was going to be easy. 
Her yes to God, in fact, meant that her life was probably going to get a little bit more complicated than it would have been otherwise. But God began to weave his story in with her story. She allowed God literally to be the center of her being. Yes to God, you can be the center of my being. And the story goes on in Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. That's an unfortunate name, isn't it? I mean, my my wife's maiden name was Queering. And some might say that's like the worst possible name that you can have. You might think, but she married me. (laughs) It got worse for her. Uh, So there's a census that was taken... Uh, And then it says, everyone went to their own town to register. Everyone. There's this macro story that's happening. There's this everyone story, and then there's this Mary story. There's a macro story, and there's a micro story. Everyone was experiencing the same experience on some level, that this Roman census was happening. Everybody was going to their hometown Everyone was experiencing the same story, yet everybody was experiencing that story differently. There's always a macro story and a micro story going on. We all share in the same story in many ways. We live, many of us live in the city. We live in this country. We experience the same human emotions. We experience love, hurt, rejection, hope, grief, pain, joy. In some ways, this is the macro story of everyone. This is the human story. But yet there's always an individual story of how this story plays out for you and me personally. And those details are all different for us. The shape of that universal story takes a different look for each of us. So here we see in the Christmas story that that something is happening with everybody in the Roman world. But it was affecting this individual family in a unique way. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Part of saying yes to God for Mary meant that she would be expecting a child, which means that she would be expecting a child before she got married, which means that people would be talking, the rumors would be spreading, family would be pushing her out. There'd be judgment from the religious community. When she said yes to God, she knew that she was saying yes to being misunderstood. When she said yes to God, her life turned upside down. Things didn't necessarily get easier. They got a little bit more complicated. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn A son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This guest room was literally in Joseph's family's house. There was no guest room available for this pregnant woman because, yes, she was in some ways an outcast and pushed out even within that family. Not the way that you would want to start this engagement relationship. Mary's world was being turned upside down. And there were shepherds, the story continues, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
And it's fascinating when you look at the Christmas story, the historical accounts in Matthew and Luke, who the angels, who God chooses to reveal his plans and himself to. He reveals himself in the gospel of Luke to shepherds. And we see in the gospel of Matthew that he reveals himself to magi, which were these pagan uh, religious people from a different land in a different country. Shepherds were the lowest of the occupation. They were dirty. They were uneducated. And yet God saw it fit to reveal his plan to change history to these shepherds. You know who he didn't reveal it to was the kings, the religious leaders, the rich. God saw it fit to reveal his plan to the least of these. God tends to do things upside down which is an encouragement to you and I that we don't have to be the wealthiest, the smartest, the most educated. In fact, God thrives in revealing himself and his love and his plan to those who are just ready and willing. But the angel said to them, to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Good news, great joy for all people. This thing that's going to happen, it's part of the macro story that God is going to do something universally for everybody. And this thing that's going to happen is going to be good news. Everybody say good news. That's going to cause great joy. Everybody say great joy. And this is the news. He's about to tell, the angel's about to tell the shepherds the news that is good, that will bring great joy. And here it is. He says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now let's remind ourselves, who is the good news for? Previous verse? All people. Everyone. The good news is for everyone. Yet here's the good news. So remember, it's for everyone. But here it is, that there's a Savior. There's three parts to it. A, there's a Savior. Two, there's a Messiah. D, there's the Lord. Anybody get the Home Alone reference? Uh, thanks, Buzz. A, B, D, A, 2, D. Um, there's three parts. There's Savior. This indicates that there is something. Who is the good news for? All people. So the fact that the good news part... One of the good news is that there's a Savior tells us that all people have a need to be saved and rescued from something. Second part, there's a Messiah. In the Jewish world, this this was the understanding of this coming king that was going to deliver this king that people were longing for. And this news was for all people, not just for the Jewish people. So all people, this is what the angel is telling us, are longing for someone to save them, to deliver them for a king to come. And thirdly, this baby would be Lord, which is this universal word that is often attributed to God, but essentially just means that is worthy of everyone bowing their knee to. Who is this good news for? All people. And whether we realize or not, all people have a need for a savior, have a need for a king, have a need for a Lord. The good news and the joy, the great joy that is available to all people hinges 
on all people recognizing that this individual is Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And he shows up in the dirt among the animals as a baby. God loves to turn things upside down. And while the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about through these angels. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. So they go, they see the manger scene that the angel told them that they were going to see. And once they see it with their own eyes and that what the angel told them was true, they go out and they start to tell everybody what happened, what the angel said, what they saw. And it says that all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. I would be amazed too. But I want you to pay attention to what's happening in the story here. The shepherds tell all these people and they are amazed. And this word that Luke is using when he writes this means to be amused, means to be entertained, means to be, uh, yeah, entertained. Like when I watched Home Alone this week, I was like, that is entertaining. That's amusing. You know, when, when Harry and Marv are getting beat up by Kevin, I'm like, is there anything better than that at Christmas time? It's just, it's so entertaining. This is the word that's being used. It's amusing. It's fascinating. It's entertaining. It's interesting. And then the story continues with this word, but. And so what's going to happen next? Is there's going to be a, there's a contrast that's about to happen between the amazement of the general population, when they hear the shepherd's report, they were amazed, they were entertained, they found it interesting. But what happens next? It says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. In some way, how the general population heard the news about the birth of Jesus and how Mary heard what the angels had said, they received it differently. Everyone was amazed, but Mary treasured and pondered. This word treasured means to keep, to guard, to protect, to preserve. And it says Mary treasured all of these things. Which things? Well, the A, 2, and D things. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, She protected it. She clung to it. She preserved it. She kept these things, and then it says she pondered them in her heart. And this is a fascinating word, too, because it it means to contemplate, to consider, but also to come into conflict, to engage, to fight, to wrestle, to rage war. See, Mary, when she heard what the shepherd said, She clung to it. She treasured it. She protected it. She grabbed hold of it and she wouldn't let it go, which meant throughout the course of her life, she would have to wrestle with it. She'd have to wonder about it. She would have to ponder it, think about it, and try and figure out, was it true? Was it not true? But she would not let it go what the angel had said. Some of those at the first Christmas were entertained. 
They were amazed. They were fascinated. But entertainment and amusement didn't cause them to reshuffle and reprioritize their lives. Some of those in the first Christmas story completely turned their world upside down because they chose to believe that Jesus was Savior, Lord, and Messiah. When Jesus is simply an entertainer, he exists to serve us. If Jesus is an entertainer, he exists to serve us. But what was Mary's response when the angel first told her? She says, I am the Lord's servant. If this is true, then we exist to serve Jesus. When you treasure something, you serve it. And when you treasure something, you're willing to fight for it and wrestle with it, to ponder it, to figure it out. And so how about you? How about me? Are we amazed at the Christmas story or do we treasure it? Is it a cultural phenomenon once a year where we think this is cool, this is fascinating, this is interesting, it's entertaining? Or do we actually listen to what the story is about? Do we cling to it? And it doesn't mean life's going to be easy, but do we wrestle with it? Are we unwilling to let it go? We all cling to something, and so we must choose the thing that we cling to wisely. And Mary chose to cling to this. Now, when was Luke's account written? Luke presumably wrote this account after all these events had happened. We learned that Luke wrote this account because he interviewed people. He saw eyewitnesses. He recorded them so that we would know what had happened. So when Luke tells us that Mary treasured and pondered these things in her heart, how would he have known that? Well, of course, he would have known that because Mary would have told him that. And when would have Mary have told him that? Well, Mary would have told him that after the life of Jesus, after the death of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, Mary is telling Luke this in the rear of her mirror and looking back on her life and saying, I treasured and pondered this throughout my life. Mary could probably go back to the beginning of her story and say what, you know, the angel said to me when they told me and when they told the shepherds that this was going to be the Lord, the, the Savior, the Messiah, I treasured it and I pondered it. I had to wrestle over it over and over again. I doubted sometimes it was actually true. I had to trust what the angel was telling me even in the midst of my doubts. I had to fight and wage war and contend and deal with the disappointment and doubt for 33 years, but I treasured it and I wouldn't let go of it. And one day I realized that it actually was true. Mary would have treasured and pondered Jesus being Savior, Messiah, Lord throughout her whole life. In fact, we know that Mary was at the cross when Jesus was dying this criminal's death. Can you imagine what was going through her mind in that moment? She must have been pondering and wrestling, thinking, the angel told me, though. Why is this happening? The angel told me he was Savior, Lord, Messiah. The angel told me that no word from God would ever fail. He was supposed to be the Messiah, the King, and the Lord. And and we can imagine that Mary was treasuring and wrestling with this truth all the way up until Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross. What Jesus was showing Mary on the cross and what she would only know after the resurrection three days later was this upside-down truth. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. So we spend our lives trying to cling to something we actually can't cling to. We spend our lives trying to control something we can't control. We spend our lives trying to put our own interests, our own comfort in the center of our world. All for what? 
Jesus is telling us all the things that you're clinging to, you're going to lose. So why not lose your life on purpose? Merry Christmas. Why not lose your life on purpose? There's a gravitational pull in this world to make you the center of your own world. But Jesus tells us, Luke tells us that there is good news of great joy for all people. But in order to find it, you got to take yourself out of the center of your world. You have to turn your world upside down. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, there's that word again, went and sold all he had and brought, bought that field. There it is again, the same upside down theme that there's a treasure and many people miss it. But for those who see it, they will give away everything joyfully because what they gain back is that much more rich. Our world says that you're the center of your own life, cling to your own life. But Jesus says, if you cling to your life, you're actually going to lose the very thing you're clinging to. But if you cling to my life, the things that you most desperately need and long for, you will find. When we think about these Iranian families, what would cause a family to choose to follow Jesus when it would mean giving up the comfort of their own home? giving up the closest family relationships they have, gaining the threat of being imprisoned or worse. What in the world would move someone to the point that they were willing to do that? Well, it seems obvious to me that they must have found a treasure hidden in a field that they were willing to give everything away for because they saw something much more beautiful and valuable. This Christmas, will you be amazed? Or will you choose to treasure and ponder the truth that Jesus came as Lord, Messiah, and Savior? And this is good news for all people. The center candle uh, represents uh, Jesus, as we have uh, shared about earlier. And every Christmas, we end our service by lighting the candles and singing Silent Night together. And as we do this together this Christmas, I invite you to not just see this as a symbol, but an opportunity to ask yourself the question, Am I simply going to be amazed this Christmas? Or will I choose to treasure who Jesus is? Will I choose the battle to wrestle with that reality in my life? Because the truth is that this is good news of great joy for all people, and that includes you. Would you stand with me as we sing together? invite you uh, to a couple of things in the new year, as you heard earlier. Uh, there's a great opportunity to ponder and wrestle 
with what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, on January 15th, we're running an Alpha course, uh, and you can register for that online. You just go to our website under events, and there's a link there. Um, and on Monday nights, uh, starting on the 15th and for the weeks after that, we're going to gather together and, and ponder and consider and wrestle with what does it mean, uh, what is Christianity all about, who is Jesus. And if you're someone who has doubts and questions, uh, this is exactly the type of place uh, that would be great for you to, to come and be a part of that. So we want to encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, and just a reminder that we don't have services on the 31st, uh, but we'll be launching a new series uh, on the 7th. My very last announcement. If you are 10 or under, we have goodie bags for you. If you're 10 or older, go buy some food yourself. Uh, it's been great to be with you. Uh, I pray that uh, you would treasure and ponder the truth of Christmas and you would go beyond amazement to what it is all actually about. Merry Christmas. Uh, go in peace. Have a great rest of your year. <laughs>